Welcome to Well, Why Not? Conversations about opening your mind, then your passport. My name is Deborah, and I'm a first-generation Haitian-American who decided to leave the U.S. several times during my adult life. Currently, I live in Quito, Ecuador, where I've been for the past four years. I'd like to share more about my journey with you and invite others who have taken the leap to move away from the familiar, mainly in the form of immigration or expatriation. traditions, but not just traditions, um, also some of our idioms, which I think tie closely to our traditions, our culture, our history. I had a hard time narrowing down my favorites or ones that have become important to me or um, that I've really grown to cherish because there are so many. We are um, so interesting (laughs) in the way that we um, we see our ancestors and the way that we see what preserving our family legacy means. And um, I, I have found that there are some African cultures that, uh, that are very similar um, and who, who have some of the same beliefs. But it's still, to me, uh, something so specific, so unique. I, I'd like to think that um, with the mix and how you know, Haitian culture came to be, that that there, it, there's no two like it. That, you know, everything that brought us to this point has, has created um, very distinct and very different traditions and values, which I, of course, believe are beautiful. So the first tradition, um, and this is... <laughs> something that I know I remember feeling odd telling people about it and I still kind of feel odd talking about it because saying it it sounds bizarre um but I just I think it's beautiful and I'm glad that I I got to participate in it so when babies are born um you know they're born with their um umbilical cords that little piece that's attached to the placenta um and they snip it and then within like five to seven days, uh, that the extra, the, that's kind of hanging out of the stomach, um, falls off. And I am sure, well, as I've seen in American culture, that gets thrown away. Um, but in our culture, it does not. It is actually saved and buried at a family plot of land or a family home. Um, I don't even think that it has to do with whether or not your family owns the the land. It's just if that's where your family lives and that's where they've always lived, then that's your home. So, um, you know, as migration or immigration has has been a thing for the past 40, 50 years, um, it has become a little bit trickier for babies born abroad and um, how to make that happen. And sometimes um, I think for some families, it's just easier to go along with how it's done in the U.S. and throw it out. But again, I was very, well, I was born in Haiti, so (laughs) that was not an issue. But for my children, um, I, I remember, you know, growing up and hearing that and thought it was so bizarre and just silly um until i had my own children and then i thought no you can't just 
throw that away. <laughs> it's a part of them. It's a part of me um, that has to, something special has to be done with it. Um, so we did save it. And it's, I know it probably sounds strange to most, um, but it, it just dries up and you can easily just like wrap it in saran wrap and, and keep it in a safe place. I mean, we keep teeth, which I think is not that different, um, don't we? <laughs> I know some people who do, who like saved like the first tooth that was lost. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and I think for us it was easier because we go back so frequently, so it wasn't like something that we were going to hold on to for a year um, before getting the opportunity to go back and, and bury it. So um, I, I was, you know, all on board with my mom when she said, hey, we're gonna save it. And in a month or two when I go, we're going to bury it um, um, at our home. And um, I was actually wasn't even there, but just knowing that it, it happened and knowing that their umbilical cords are buried there, it just, it means the world to me. So I think for obvious reasons, um, we, we uphold this tradition. It gives you a sense of belonging. It's sort of like an anchoring um, ceremony. So it's like, you know, if you're, if you're the umbilical cord that attached you to your mother in the womb, gave you life, um, now that you're, that you don't need it, um, it needs, it, you need to be attached to something somewhere. Um, I don't know. I, I may be putting way more on it, but that's how I've interpreted it. And it, it also, I think, keeps you grounded. I know that sounds, it's like a pun, right? But it does in a way because it's almost like wherever you go, you know where home is. Um, I, I think that, you know, I've talked about identity and, and struggling with finding your own identity when you're a third culture kid and, you know, you're growing up in, in, in between two, three cultures at a time and figuring out who you are and which one you identify most with and which do you have to identify with one more than the other. I mean, there's a lot of conflict that, that goes on with that. Um, but I think this, this is a, a tradition that no matter what, no matter how conflicted you are about your identity or you, you know, what culture you, you lean towards the most, you know where you came from, um, you know where you can go back to. I don't know. That's how I see it. And I, again, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm so fortunate that um, my, my mom sort of brought up the tradition. Um, and she, even though knew, you know, my, my kids were going to be born far away from, from, from the homeland that she made sure that, um, we, we continued that tradition so that we all are grounded in the same place. Now, I think that it's not even so much as like your family plot of land. I think as long as it's buried in Haiti <laughs> and, you know, and, and you can pick because obviously, you know, people have different, different arrangements. Sometimes where you grew up is not where your family currently lives and all of that. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's actually more tied to, the homeland versus your family home. Um, and that, well, that's my interpretation. And if someone else has a different one, feel free to share. <laughs> but that's that's why um, that tradition has remained so special to me. So next, I'm going to talk about idioms. Now, like I said, there are so many traditions. I think I could probably spend an episode just talking about one. So that one was one that I knew I could keep to, to like a five, 10 minute um, explanation. 
But um, the idioms, I think, which makes such, um, they're just a big part of, of our culture, our language. Um, I guess it starts obviously with the language and, and having um, Haitian Creole be considered a language, which is not, it's not something I take for granted, or I, I don't think a lot of us take for granted because it, it is somewhat new. I feel like it happened like 30 years ago before then it was considered a dialect. So like, like they considered Jamaican Patois um, or, you know, other, Creole languages and, uh, or what they'll call like pidgin. Um, I've heard so many different names for, for dialects and things like that. But I think for us, um, it was really important when it was recognized that no, it's a language, it's its own language with its own um, vocabulary, its own vernacular, I mean, its own grammatical structure and everything. Um, that could be learned, and and since then, you know, many people have learned it. There are universities in the United States with um, language departments that include Haitian Creole. So, just that background <laughs> about how important language our language is. Um, so, in terms of idioms, one of my first ones that I um, and I remember some of these would get said, you know, when I was growing up and made no sense to me, um, and it took me like actually I I actually focused on improving my, my Creole um, probably during college. And, and that was sort, no, I don't wanna say that was around the time because that was only, what, 20 years ago. But at the time, um, I remember there were dictionaries, Haitian Creole dictionaries and grammar books and things like that that did not exist for me growing up. So I took full advantage and once I started improving my my fluency and then a lot of these idioms started making sense and then i found myself using them <laughs> all the time so yeah first one is um in creole it says and that's translates to salt doesn't boast that it's salty um and that's it sounds <laughs> a little funny of course but as all idioms do um it's basically saying like um you know, you don't have to. You don't have to boast. You don't have to let everybody know what your capabilities and your skills are. Um, oh, I, I think the equivalent, like something that I've uh, seen, like I think either memes or, or just posted, is let your success speak for you. Like hustle in in silence and let your success speak for you. And I think that's the same exact idea. So, um, but it's also I think it goes back to our aversion to, to arrogance and, and people who, um, who just talk a lot about their, whether it's their successes, their ability or their family successes. Um, I think that's almost like a universal, or maybe not, maybe there are cultures that, that appreciate that and that accept that, but that's, we're not one of them. So <laughs> I think this, this, um, this phrase, um, it gets said, like if any, you know, even if somebody says something like tries to um brag about about an accomplishment um or oh i know how to do this and i'm the best at doing that and then it's sort of like a reminder like no salt doesn't have to boast that it's salty salty you know it just it just is um and you don't you don't need to kind of put it out there um yourself <laughs> like other people can can you know also speak to your to your abilities and your accomplishments so that's um one of my favorites especially in terms of like remaining humble um okay next one is um <laughs> and it's pinch your nose to drink the stinky water um 
and I laugh because this also reminds me, we, we, we have our herbal teas for every ailment. And this also, you literally can see children do this <laughs> because the parents tell them just, you know, pinch your nose, um, you know, and you won't have to taste it. So this actually comes from, um, like the idea to me of like making concessions to get what you want. Um, same thing like, you know, with drinking the, the herbal teas, it, it's, they smell bad, they taste bad, but you're doing it so that it can get you healthy. Um, so it's, you know, making a sacrifice or, or the idea of just dealing with something unpleasant temporarily because it's going to lead you to something good. Um, I just, I think that that's a good life lesson because we, we do it. Um, I almost feel like from birth, <laughs> I think, I do believe children have to make sacrifices. We ask them to make sacrifices all the time. Um, we sometimes don't think of them that way because, because, you know, the assumption we provide, we, we're, you know, we're the parents, we're making the best choices for them. But, you know, there are a lot of times where they don't want to do what you're asking them to do, but they do it anyway, <laughs> either because there's a reward or they just know like, this is what's expected of me. But yeah, I, I think that it's, it's helpful to kind of remind yourself <laughs> of, of having to do things like that. Um, of having, having to do that. I'm, I'm again thinking of the tea, literally, like I'm imagining drinking the herbal teas, but, um, but just having to, to sacrifice, having to, um, deal and, and show grit and tough it out. And, um, and it's just part of life. Um, but again, it's, it's usually hopefully for the greater good. It's, it's for something better. It's, um, it's, and again, it's temporary. Uh, so next idiom is um c'est pas tout chien qui jappe pour virer des gadis and that translates to you can't stop to look at every dog that barks and this is actually an idiom that exists in french as well um and i i i it was probably one of the first idioms that i learned and it just i have to even now remind myself it goes to that idea of you don't have to listen to the noise you don't have to give attention to the noise and when i say noise i mean negativity people who are naysayers people who um, don't believe in in your ability to do certain things um, and if you are going to make it to your destination because if you do i mean we, we like <laughs> in explaining the idiom we take it to that next step of if you stop for every dog that barks, you will never get to your destination. Um, so sometimes you just have to focus and focus on your goals and your ideas and um, what's important to you. And there will always be naysayers. There will always be people who um, don't think that what you're doing is, is a good idea um, and who wanna convince you to do something different, but just keep going. Um, and just, you know, just stay focused and, and again, keep your eye on that prize. <laughs> and it's, it is hard, but I, I, that's why it's, it's nice to remind myself and especially with that kind of visual, because <laughs> I, I can just see somebody walking and as you're walking, you hear a dog bark <laughs> and you, you know, you should just keep going really. It makes sense. I think when you, when you visualize it as opposed to like stopping and looking and trying to figure out like, what dog is that? Whose dog is that? Is the dog okay? You know, then you're, you're, you're giving life to something that really does not impact 
your your ultimate goal and doesn't impact your ability to do what you set out to do. Um, yeah, so those are my top three. Um, I again, I could probably do five more episodes of of, of idioms and and traditions, um, and I just might <laughs> because again, they they have made me realize over the years, not as a child, because as a child, it just made me feel different and, and odd, but, um, it's just made me realize how, how rich our culture is and, um, how, how wise our, our ancestors are and were and, um, and, and just honoring, you know, those things that have been passed down. These, these are idioms that I'm sure have, have been around for probably since we've been speaking Creole because um, they still I mean my grandma would say them like I feel and I feel like her her mother would say them it just um, they're they're timeless and and the I'm so glad that they were passed on and I'm passing them on as well I know my kids are probably not going to remember them as vividly as I do because I don't I don't say them to say these um, idioms to them as as much as I heard them growing up um, but I, as long, I, I think as long as they've been introduced to them and, and they know of them, and of course I can always remind them like, by the way, <laughs> um, and I, I, even though we, we mostly speak English, I do throw one in there randomly, um, when I see fit. So what are some of your favorite idioms, um, from your language? Every language has them. Um, and I think, um, I, I, I was told once that especially like learning a, 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 a language, when people use the use of idioms usually shows somebody's fluency. Like if you're able to use idioms, then you have like a different level of understanding because they're so tied to culture and they're so, you know, you have to understand the context. You can't just throw them out there, you know? So it's, it is, it is such an important part of every language. Um, I'm always fascinated by them and I think, um, they, they just, based on the idiom, you can kind of, it gives you a, a different perspective of, of the society, of, um, the people of, you know, their values and, and what, um, what they, what they cherish and, and how, how they, they view themselves. It's yeah. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> if you can't tell idioms to me are, are such a wonderful part of languages. So um, share with me your favorite or share with me your favorite traditions. Um, and if you have any questions about the tradition that I shared or the idioms, feel free to share them as well. All right, until the next time, be well.